Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Things are heating up in the NBA. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So tomorrow night, the play-in tournament will resume. Bulls heat tip-off 7 p.m. Eastern. Thunder, Timberwolves, tip-off 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Both of those games you can hear right here on ESPN Radio. You can watch them on television on ESPN. No Joe and Amber tomorrow night. We get a little bump seed, um, but that's okay. You know, every once in a while we're like, all right, NBA, you can have a night. We'll give you a night. Don't worry. We'll be right back at things, uh, back and better than ever, uh, to totally steal Greeny's line on Monday for Joe and Amber. Let's talk about the East storylines, though, as we head into Bulls Heat and as we head into the first round, because whoever wins that game is going to be playing the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm sure that you think very strongly about my Heat's chances against the Bucks, but let's try to temper those expectations for a sure. second there, Joe. Sure. Do you feel like the East is the Bucks against everybody else? Like, are they in a category of their own? Yeah, for a couple reasons. Number one, they're the number one seed and they have a fantastic draw. That's where you have to start. The NBA playoffs do not reseed. So what's going to happen here is that you're going to get, let's say it's Miami. I'll appease you because we're friends, we're colleagues, we work together. We'll Thank say you. it's Miami. And Miami wins by three, you sound so very we confident. cover pizza money as well. <laughs> Miami looks like they're going to be out of gas. Like, just think about the situation if you're Milwaukee. You have a week off, everyone's healthy, Middleton's practicing, Things are looking really good. You're at home. Miami has to play two play-in games, and then they got to come up to you. You can jump all over them. The Heat have been really bad on the road this season, and they've been wildly inconsistent throughout the course of the year as well. So that's a series that you could, and this isn't to knock your Heat, but you could wrap that up in five, maybe six games. I don't think you're going to get caught playing seven games. Then you're probably going to get some additional rest because Cleveland and New York, you're going to get the winner of Cavs-Knicks. And that's a knock him down, drag him out type of series, depending on whether or not Julius Randle can play. He's battling that sprained ankle. It's been two weeks. He'll probably try to give it a go, but he's not going to be 100%. So you get one of those teams. And meanwhile, if Philly and Boston both advance past the first round, they're going to knock each other out. Someone's getting bounced and has to emerge from that and then come over to play Milwaukee. So I think the draw, number one, is a huge advantage for them. And then number two, I just downright think they're the best team. They got a ton of talent. They're hot at the right time. They're consistent. They've got great leadership. They've got a great culture. They are set up to take anyone out. I don't think there's anyone out there that brings more to the table than they do. I know people are very excited about Phoenix Amber long-term, and we're just talking about the East here, but that Phoenix bench is compromised. Milwaukee's got everything. There's no major glaring weak spot on the Bucks. I know Miami Heat fans that are rooting for the Heat to lose this game against the Bulls because <laughs> they feel like – there ain't no shot for the Heat against the Bucks. A lot of people quit? feel like there ain't no shot against anybody against the Bucks. Well, it actually does affect the lottery if they were to lose this game versus winning this game. So there's a little lottery talk. I believe it also affects the lottery for 
the Los Angeles Lakers. None of that's particularly interesting because we're not talking about the Heat getting the number one pick, so come on. But nevertheless, <laughs> the point is that a lot of these teams, the fans of these teams don't even feel like there is a very legitimate shot. I don't know if the Bulls fans feel a little bit better than maybe Heat fans feel. Obviously, Heat fans feeling a little down after that performance that you saw from the Heat against the Atlanta Hawks. Maybe Bulls fans are feeling a little bit more confident about their chances. I have a hard time believing in any of these teams when it comes to Milwaukee. Now, I'm not saying it's totally Milwaukee against the field because this is also the NBA playoffs. The Bucks, though, are certainly a team that you feel strongest about. The 76ers being one of those teams that for some reason I should and I just don't, Joe. And I do wonder with the 76ers, what does it mean for them? If they don't get it done, if they get bounced, I'm not suggesting that they're going to get bounced in the first round against the Nets. That would spell trouble, I think, probably for Doc Rivers at that point. But what if they, you know, they make it into a second round or even if they make it into a conference finals and then lose? Do you think that the narrative around the 76ers is affected? Because I don't feel like as much expectation as there is on the Bucks. I don't feel like there's actually that much pressure on the Bucks, but I do feel like there's pressure on the 76ers to deliver. Well, that last criteria changed everything. If they once again lose in the second round, then yeah, the pitchforks are coming out. But if they make the conference final, that's a completely different story because that means they more than likely had to beat Boston, a team that has just handed it to them over the last few years, swept them out of the bubble a few years back and beat up on them this year during the regular season. So, And they haven't been to the conference finals with this unit. It's been, like, what was the last time? Iverson? Was that the last time they reached a conference final? So, to be honest, if they get there, that's considered success for the 76ers. I, I know that we, we aim for more, but that would be considered success. I think it's going to be the same thing it is every year. They're going to flame out in the second round. I'm a Sixers fan. I grew up a Sixers fan. I have no reason to believe whatsoever this year will be different than last or the year before that or the year before that, except for one thing. Somehow, some way, when the Eagles and Phillies weren't projected to be that great, they both went to and lost their respective championship games. The great irony would be the team that always loses finally figures out how to break through and everyone else couldn't. That would be the great irony in Philadelphia. I do find that to be a moonshot, however. So a lot of time is spent talking about the Bucks, talking about the Sixers, talking about the Celtics at the top of the Eastern Conference. What about these Cavs and Knicks, though? They square off in the first round. A lot of people thinking that this could be the best series in the East in the first round. Very compelling matchup. Very compelling. People who have not been paying attention to the Cavs are about to find out that this is a very, very fun team mm -hmm. and a very talented team. All right, Donovan Mitchell, he has an opportunity here to really vault himself up all those current player rankings if he can make some noise. This all comes down to Julius Randle and the Knicks. I mean, he's been out for two weeks. He's got that sprained ankle. I know he was part of the non-contact portion of practice today. If he can go, he's not going to be 100%. So the Knicks are in for a tough one here. Cleveland is the number one rated defense in the NBA at the end of the regular season. They're a top eight offense. Conversely, the Knicks, who have built their reputation on defense, ranked 19th in defensive efficiency this year. So this is a fascinating matchup. I like Cleveland to get the job done. I'm not hating on the Knicks because I'm a Sixers fan. Basketball is better when the Knicks are relevant. The playoffs are better when the Knicks are in them. I love the fact that the Knicks are here. This is just a very tough matchup. And I think if, it, if, if Randall can't go and this gets messy for New York, we are going to have a very strong narrative about whether or not this Cavs team can cause serious problems for the Bucs. They're built. They are built to contend. 
The Bucks is a tall order, but if they can grow up quickly, a lot of young guys on the Cavs, if they can grow up quickly, they could be a serious force in this postseason. The Cavs have been a very good team. They've been a surprising team. Mitchell's been a surprisingly good fit there in Cleveland. The problem is what you just said, the lack of experience in the playoffs. And the Milwaukee Bucks certainly have the experience. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in to play in action tomorrow night as the Heat as the Heat host the Bulls, followed by Thunder at Timberwolves, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio. So those are the top storylines in the East. What about the Wild Wild West? We'll get into that. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So we did some of the big storylines in the Eastern Conference in the NBA as we look ahead to the rest of the play-in tournament and beyond. We're going to do the storylines in the Western Conference in the NBA. But first, Joe's got more betting advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, here we go. This one is on Saturday. It is a player prop bet in the matchup between the Warriors and the Kings. On the Kings is a gentleman named DeMontis Sabonis. We are going to bet that he records over 13.5 rebounds. That is priced at minus 106. Now, he's averaging 12.3 rebounds per game on the season, so we need him to go above and beyond. Luckily, this is a great matchup for him against Golden State. Three games against the Warriors this season, he recorded 14 14 and 22 rebounds. Golden State ranks 14th in the NBA in rebounding. And keep in mind, with a total of 238 and a half points for this matchup, Vegas is pricing this game to be high scoring. What does that mean? Lots of possessions, lots of shots, lots of misses, lots of rebounds. Pizza Money number three, Saturday night, DeMontis Sabonis of the Kings going over 13 and a half rebounds. Uh, speaking of the Kings, a 16-year playoff absence has come to yeah. an end for the Sacramento Kings and for Coach Mike Brown at the helm. Coach Mike Brown has been voted the NBA's Coach of the Year. The organization announced today the award is uh, one that all 30 head coaches vote on. And it uh, goes to Mike Brown with the runner-ups being uh, Milwaukee's Budenholzer, Oklahoma City's coach, Boston, New York Knicks. They were all receiving votes here, but the award goes to Mike Brown. I mean, I don't think it's a surprise, right, with what the Kings did this season and caught everybody by surprise with this turnaround? 
it's not just that they turned it around. They are actually pretty awesome. Like, if they had been the seven seed, Brown's probably winning this award. But instead, they're the three seed. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the NBA. They're so much fun to watch. And you have to remember, they have been so dysfunctional for so long. They have been completely irrelevant. They have missed on so many draft picks. I mean, who was the kid from what was in North Carolina that they drafted or Duke? I can't even remember. But there was a draft where they passed on nothing but stars to grab a guy who did nothing, and then they traded him away. Jump in. What was that? You're talking about Harry Giles here? Harry Giles? No. No, 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 no. It's a few years. It's an even bigger name. I'm, I'm going to dig it up. I'm going to dig it up. Point is, it's been nothing but success at all for a while. Nothing but, but failure for a while. And now, not only are they succeeding, they're playing great basketball. The thing is, Golden State is a massive favorite to win this series. The same Warriors team, Amber, that won 11 games on the road this season. 11. Do you know who won fewer road games? Houston, San Antonio, and Detroit, the three worst teams in the NBA. Can you believe it? So is this just a we're overinflating the Warriors because it's the Warriors and undervaluing the Kings because it's the Kings? Like, is there an element of that here? Or do we feel like the fact that the Warriors were so bad on the road was just happenstance this season? Obviously, they're going to be at home here. So they feel like the Warriors are going to be dominant. And even if they're on the road in these playoffs, they'll end up figuring it out and be just fine. Is it something to do with just sort of the Warriors effect and not really putting much emphasis on what actually happened with that team during the regular season? Quick footnote, I'm thinking of 2018. It was Marvin Bagley they took with the second overall pick out of Duke. That was the pick right before uh, Luka Doncic. Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Trey Young. uh, You got Mikael Bridges. Shai Gilgis-Alexander. The list goes on and on. Nothing but stars coming out of that class, and they went ahead and took Marvin Bagley the third. So back to your point. Uh, The key for the entire pricing of the Warriors is twofold. A small part of it is their history. There is a belief they will flip the switch when they get to the postseason. More importantly, Andrew Wiggins is coming back. Wiggins has missed the last 25 games with a, quote, personal matter. He is integral in what they do, especially on defense. If you go back to the NBA Finals last year against Boston, his defense, he was the second best player on the floor for Golden State. It wasn't Klay Thompson, wasn't Draymond Green. It was Steph who won the Finals MVP, and it was Wiggins who gave you scoring and rebounding, but more important, gave you high-level defense. Their defense has been abysmal this year. They're going to need him in this series. And because he's supposed to be coming back, that is why you see odds makers pricing this the way they are. I'm just surprised because with Wiggins, I understand how important Wiggins is to that team. He also missed 25 games. And I don't believe we know the nature of the personal matter. Now, I know there's been reports out there that Wiggins has been working out with a trainer the whole time he's been away. I mean, it just depends, obviously, what's been going on with him and why he's been away from the team. How good a shape could you still stay in? But you're not probably going to be in basketball shape. Like, even if you're working out with a trainer, it ain't the same as actually being out there and playing real basketball games. And so because of that, I would imagine that there's going to be a learning curve here for Wiggins to at least get his feet back under him as he heads into not just returning to the team here, Joe, but returning to postseason play. Like he walks into playoff level basketball, which we always know is taken up a notch. So I'm not necessarily concerned about physically where he's at because he's not coming back from an injury. Yes, in terms of your your pacing and the minutes you can give and your conditioning, that could be something. But where's he at mentally? I'm not going to sit here and speculate what the personal matter was that he was attending to. A lot of people have done that. 
We don't know what the answer is. His business is his business. But it is fair to ask, is his head in it, right? Because if the playoffs, if we were where we are right now, except the playoffs start in three weeks, is Andrew Wiggins back or is he still off? And I think some would say that, yeah, he's probably still off. I think he's coming back because it's the postseason. And it's not because he's necessarily ready then. It means he's coming back for the postseason. So I wonder where he is mentally when it comes to his ability to get out on the court and contribute at a high level. Maybe the basketball will be exactly what he needs. Whatever's been going on in his life, he can forget about it for a few minutes while he goes out and plays. It could be good. It could be therapeutic for him. Or, you know, whatever's happening in his life, it could be a distraction, and that could ultimately hurt. So everyone is looking at that series with the Kings Warriors. It's funny. I mean, the Kings, you know, ABC, it's just in a postseason. It's just not at all what we're accustomed to. So I think a lot of people would be tuning in to see the Kings as much as they're tuning in, frankly, to see the Warriors and to just sort of see how this goes. Can Sacramento actually test this multi-championship Warriors team? I know that there's a lot of fans that are just going to be Kings fans ran like I will be, I'll just like randomly be rooting for the Kings. I've never rooted for the Kings in my entire life. Why would I root for the Kings? I'm going to be rooting for the Kings against the Warriors. I feel like they're a fun store. I might just heck. I might root for them the entire, if they make it past the Warriors, let's go. Kings might be my team. They're going to be like my Western conference team that I adopt. They score a ton of points. The problem is they don't play a lot of defense. And then you have to ask yourself when it comes to the youth, Is it a good thing or a bad thing? It can go either way depending on the makeup of a team. Sometimes the youth inexperience could be a situation where you get to the playoffs, you get overwhelmed, you tighten up, and you get run out of the gym. Sometimes that youth and inexperience, it could be a blessing because you don't know any better. You just play loose, free basketball, and you end up not having any of that pressure on your shoulders. One interesting note here to keep in mind, Mike Brown, who you mentioned at the top of the segment, talking about how he's going to win Coach of the Year, how he's won Coach of the Year. He used to work on the Golden State Warriors staff for years during the dynasty. He is very familiar with this roster. He is very familiar with Steve Kerr. He's very familiar with how they go about their business, the rotations, their play sets, how dangerous they are coming off a timeout. When it comes into inbounding plays off a timeout, no one's better than Steve Kerr. Mike Brown is going to be ready for that. That could be a big advantage for the Kings in this series as ready as he can be, because like you said, he is coaching a team that has basically no playoff experience on its roster. I mean, an incredibly inexperienced team in terms of the postseason. the thunder and Timberwolves wrap up the play in tournament tomorrow night. Again, a double header here on ESPN radio tomorrow night, heat bulls, thunder, Timberwolves, a double header on ESPN radio and on ESPN. Whoever wins that game is going to take on the Nuggets. Is there any outside of the Kings Warriors? Like, what is the most interesting matchup in your view next? I guess most people would probably say Grizz Lakers, but I also think that that's somewhat just the Lakers effect generally because they didn't look great the other night. Yeah, Grizz Lakers is obviously going to be impressive. Uh, Lakers, we're going to get into them. There's a great pizza money angle on this that's going to come up in a little bit. Suns Clippers, it doesn't look like we're going to see Paul George. That could be a problem. I am very interested to see how Denver handles their situation. Mike Malone, the head coach, was calling out his team and their effort late in the season. If they end up getting Oklahoma City, if OKC handles business against dysfunctional Minnesota and they get in, they're another young team that just doesn't know any better. Maybe they make some noise. Maybe Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns find a way to step up against Denver. That would be interesting. But I think the the Denver matchup is huge. 
the Nuggets cannot lose. Like they cannot no. lose in a first round. Jokic cannot lose in the first round. No. I don't I don't think that Jokic has to win an NBA title this season, but he cannot get bounced in the first round. There's certainly more pressure on him than that. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, a team out west whose season is over, but what does the future hold for their superstar who has done a little talking lately? Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Things are getting interesting in Portland. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So Damian Lillard has been happy being a Portland trailblazer for far longer than any of us understand, Joe. And he has been incredibly loyal to the franchise that he has spent his entire career with. Now, he has also gotten rewarded handsomely in terms of his bank account, not in terms of the winning, and certainly not in terms of the championships. A lot of people want to see Dame Dollar play in a different uniform just because they want to see him on the biggest stage under the brightest lights because he's one of the most exciting guys to watch play basketball in the NBA. Well, maybe for the first time, he started to sound a little unsure about his future with Portland, maybe a little less loyal than he has sounded in the past. During an interview with Stephen A. Smith on Wednesday, this was from Stephen A.'s World during the Bulls-Raptors broadcast, which was on ESPN2. Here is Damian Lillard. They know how important it is to just, you know, be on a competitive team on a on a level where we can, you know, make a run in the playoffs. That just has to happen. Is that your way of saying the Portland Trailblazers are on the clock? They got to show a level of urgency or else? It ain't a threat. I'm not, you know, I ain't going to say I'm putting them on the clock. I'm just saying, you know, if those things can't be done, you know, if we can't do something significant like that, then, you know, we won't have a chance to, you know, compete on that level. And then not only will I have a decision to make, but I think the organization will too, because at that point it's like, are you going to go young or are we going to get something done? I think we just Mm -hmm. kind of been on it with, you know, fully committing to, to either one. Everybody wants to win. They believe that I deserve that opportunity. So he said they're not on the clock per se, but then he proceeded to kind of make it sound like, well, they're on the clock. Well, I, I think we've seen this from him before, and this is an astute way of making sure your message gets out in a you know fair and respectful manner, but also loud and clear. Like, I'm not going to sit around and be okay with you not doing anything. I'm not going to be okay with you mailing it in or being dysfunctional or being inept. I want to compete. 
I've shown you everything you need to see. I have stayed here. I have been loyal. I work as hard as I possibly can. You have to hold up your end of the bargain. You have to build a good basketball team. And they had a pretty good one for a few years. The problem is it gets drained out completely by the fact that they were going up against the Warrior Dynasty. Everyone got run over during that. Chris Paul got run over during that. James Harden got run over during that. Dame Lillard got run over during that. So now he's sending the message to Portland that he wants to see what they're going to do. Portland will hear it loud and clear, and hopefully they do something about it. But to the point of everyone who wants to see him go somewhere else and, and, and compete, it's just nothing but complaining, right? If Dame sticks it out and the team isn't good enough, everyone's mad fan-wise, they want him to leave. If Steph Curry stays in the same spot forever and has a ton of success, everyone hates him because we don't want to see a dynasty. We want something new. This is boring. If LeBron and KD bounce from team to team trying new things, we hate that too. It's people will find something to complain about with literally every angle. Is there one angle in all the NBA that everyone's okay with? Does everyone support Embiid staying in Philly? Like, is that something we can all get behind? I would say Giannis in Milwaukee. I think that everyone has sort of supported that and rallied behind his decision there. But a couple important things happened. Giannis became the huge superstar and lived up to the hype and also delivered the championship. Mm -hmm. So he showed that he can do it there in that market. And given that team also showed their commitment to Giannis to build the right team around him and give him the right pieces that he needs, not just to win a championship, but also to see him in a position to compete for a championship every single season since, including this one, right? Where we think, hey, the Bucs probably look like the best team in the NBA. That's what you want from these guys that you feel like are generational. Now, I'm not saying Damian Lillard is Giannis Antetokounmpo because I don't think people think that he's that level of player, but Dame is so unbelievably exciting to watch. And so people want to be able to watch it. He gets lost in Portland. I understand what you're saying. Yes, people are critical all over the place of KD, of LeBron, no matter what you do with your moves of Steph fine how you handle your career I don't think people are really mad at Damian Lillard for staying in Portland they're just like disappointed you know I'm I'm not sure anybody's mad at Damian Lillard for the loyalty he's shown or the decisions that he's made there's nothing wrong with what he has done I think NBA fans outside of Portland just wish they could watch him more often is really what it comes down to like play in a different market in a different place where I can see you play basketball more often because I enjoy watching you do that yeah, I mean, if he stays and they don't win, it's he should have left. He should worry about himself. If he leaves, it's how could you not be loyal? You're just like everybody else. We find a complaint for everything. He's he's fascinating to watch. I, I had a ringside seat to him versus the Warriors. It seemed like almost every single year when I was covering him up in the Bay Area. And the best thing about covering Warriors games is that when Lillard comes to town, he always puts on a show because Lillard's from Oakland. So he always wants to put on in front of the hometown fans. And he always did. It's just there was nothing else that could be done. Him and McCollum could only do so much against a Warriors team that would just drown you. They just take you out in the deep water and drown you. So I don't know what the answer is for Portland. I don't know if they have enough assets where they could bring in great veteran help. I don't know if they're in a situation where they're going to be able to draft anybody to come in and help right away. It seems like they're so much further away from competing than they should be. Because, again, this is a year where if teams had been organized, like Dallas, like Portland, they would have been able to take advantage of the fact that the West is wide open. We keep saying that. Well, and I don't know if it's not being organized in Portland. I think that they're a bit up against it. I don't think it's easy to attract big time free agents to Portland, for example. Uh, so, you know, there's that component of things. I think you're in right. In terms of, you know, they've, they've – 
Joe Cronin, the GM of the Trailblazers, said like he took big swings and he missed in February right before the trade deadline. So he has put it out there. Hey, I've tried. I'm trying. I'm trying to build this team around Damian Lillard, but you can't just necessarily do it, right? I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that. In terms of the drafting, I mean, if they don't get a web Webbyamia, help me out. Webbyamia, Victor Webbyamia. I'm gonna get it right before he's actually drafted. I swear, I'm going to continue to work on that. Got plenty of time. The point is that not really. We're all talking about him already. Way too much. I should have it on lock. The point is that unless you're talking about a player that caliber too, you know, then are you really relying on the draft to turn things around quickly enough? Because Damian Lillard, he said it in that soundbite. He sounded not very patient anymore. He's 32 years old. Nobody can blame him at this point. He's been unbelievably patient and loyal. He also said as much during his exit interview. He said, quote, uh, that I don't have much of an appetite for building the guys two and three years away. So Damian wants a team ready around him now. And I'm not saying that that is a too big of an ask for Damian because it's not. He, I understand why he's asking for that. But also, it might be an unrealistic ask because I'm not sure Joan Cronin can just pull one out of the sky. You absolutely cannot bank on these rookies coming in and being major contributors right away. You, you just can't. They can't right. reach that level of stardom. It is unfair to them because they're not even 24 years old, right? Some of these guys are like 19. You're going to throw a ton of money in their face. You're going to put them on the road for 41 games a year, and you're going to expect them to go from playing a certain style of basketball to a much more complex style against much smarter basketball IQs. Like, I can't even remember who the first picks were Last year, I for some reason, I am completely blanking on what the top of the board looked like. I think Chet Holmgren was one of them out of Gonzaga. He got hurt right away. He didn't even play for Oklahoma City this past year. Look at the Zion Williamson situation, right? Slam dunk with Zion Williamson. He can't get on the floor. You saw what happened to guys like Greg Oden. Guys need time at that age. So, yeah, they can come in and play a complimentary role. But if you really want to make a deep run, pick a team right now. Pick a team anywhere right now that has a shot at contending and show me a rookie that's making a solid, significant monster impact. It's very right? hard. But when the Yama is supposed to be that rookie that's so NBA ready, he's going to do just that. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Yeah, to following up on the draft, Paolo Bancaro, not in the playoffs. Holmgren hurt. Jabari Smith to the Rockets, doesn't matter. Keegan Murray's with the Kings. Jay Nivey with the Pistons. None of these teams are even in the playoffs, for crying out loud. All right, pizza money. We're going to keep this one quick. This is a series bet, so we're not going to be able to score this one for about a week. Sixers, minus two and a half games over the Nets. It's minus 150, so it's a little pricey. What we need is the Sixers to beat the Nets in either a sweep or in five games. So there's a point spread for the series. It's minus two and a half games. If the Sixers lose the series, we lose. If the Sixers win the series in six games, that's four to two. Sorry, I lose that one too because I'm laying two and a half. If they win in seven, I lose. I need the Sixers to win in a sweep fashion or in five. So there it is. Pizza money number four with one more on deck coming up in a bit. Sixers minus two and a half in the series over the Brooklyn Nets.
So more pizza money coming up on deck. Also, we open up the phone lines to you. This is your opportunity to chime into the conversation and join the show. Triple eight, say ESPN. Bring us your hottest takes. Anything on your mind tonight? 888-729-3776. We play some caller roulette next. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. We are opening up the phone lines to you here on Joe and Amber. Triple eight, say ESPN. Bring us your takes, whatever you've got. 888-729-3776. We will get to your calls, play a little caller roulette in just seconds. But first, Joe's got a bonus pizza money headed your way. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. When the Grizzlies and Lakers square off in game one, I'm going to be betting the Memphis Grizzlies minus three points. Here's why. LeBron James on the road in game one of a playoff series is an absolute disaster. For as great as his career's been, get a load of this. This is LeBron James in game one road games. He is three and 14. 3-14, and he is 6-11 and against the spread. His teams are getting outscored by 10 points per game. Now, people would be shocked to hear this, but a lot of times the narrative is that James likes to spend game one downloading information, getting to learn his opponent, to see what they do, to process, so that his teams, and as importantly himself, can make the necessary adjustments to win moving forward. But he has had a hell of a time in these game ones on the road. Pizza money number five, final one of the evening. Memphis, game one over the Lakers, minus three points. 13 black odds, no winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette with Joe and Amber. Triple H, say ESPN. That's the number. Dial it. Let's spin the wheel. Lewis, Lewis is right up the road from me in Tampa. Hey, Lewis, what do you have for us tonight? So here's my hot take. Damian Lillard goes to the Pacers. The Pacers have three first-round draft picks this year, and they have assets and players, and Halliburton led the league in assists. So that, that's my hot take. Let's get Dane. Well, that's the spoken like Pacers, a Pacers fan. Listen, huh? there's a lot of a lot of teams out there that would like to get their hands on Damian Lillard, right? I mean, I was just talking during the break about the Miami Heat. I, too, would love the Heat to find a way. Now, the Heat ain't got nothing to trade, uh, but Pat Riley's done miraculous things before. There's a lot of teams that would be in on the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. The problem with Damian Lillard is that he's never wanted to leave Portland, Joe, and I think maybe it's not just about basketball. I mean, I think sometimes we discount how happy a player may be, said player may be, where they live or maybe their family really likes it. They really like the community. Their kids are in school there. They don't want to uproot them. Whatever it is, they like the lifestyle. It seems like even without the championships in that level of winning, Damian Lillard has really enjoyed being in Portland and maybe now is just getting to a point at 32 years old where he figures on the back end of my career here, maybe I'll actually think about the court and make a move that otherwise maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he'd be perfectly happy spending his life in Portland. Who knows? I'm not sure Lillard wants to trade the 33-win Blazers for the 35-win Pacers. Right, that's that might the not be in the cards. I that's would consider, however, could he play next to Shy Gilgis-Alexander in Oklahoma City? Because mm-hmm. Oklahoma City has picks for days, and they got a ton of young talent, and Chet Holmgren didn't even play for him this season. 
So I'd wonder if he'd be interested in the Midwest, but just a little bit further south than playing in old Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, and I mentioned there the lifestyle thing because I've always wondered with Dame how much of it is that. And if that's true, then maybe you don't want to go particularly far. Like maybe, you know, maybe Miami, like maybe we don't have a shot down in Miami because maybe Miami ain't it to a dude who loves Portland, Oregon. I don't know. You never know with these guys. Uh, And when it comes to the loyalty there that we've seen from Damian Lillard, let's spin the wheel. Triple eight, say ESPN. If you want to join the conversation, that's where we find Jose. Jose is in Indy. Hey, Jose, what do you have for us? Hey, what's going on? I love the show. Appreciate you guys putting me on. I'll be really quick. I'm uh, from, you know, Chicagoland area, big Bulls fan. They let me down this year. But who do you think is or has the most pressure to win a championship this year? Personally, I got to give it to Jason Tatum. The man's averaged 30 this year. Celtics are the first seed. I don't know. That's my take. Have a good day. That's a good take. I like that one. I don't think anybody's talking about the pressure on Jason Tatum, a player who completely disappeared in the finals last year. I do think that there's pressure on Jason Tatum to deliver. Maybe the one thing that's helpful a little bit there is sort of the coaching change-ups for Boston. Joe, I don't know if that gives him a bit of a pass or the fact that he has played so well all season, but also a lot of that domination by Boston was in the first half of the season when they were so lights out. So now teams like the Milwaukee Bucks have gotten more of the storylines here at the tail end of the season. So we aren't talking about the pressure on Boston as much. I feel like right now in this weird way, the seas are flying under the radar for a team that should not be bit. flying under the radar, right? A little bit. They started the season really hot and they faded a bit. And by faded, it's by like elite standards. It's not like they fell apart, but they faded a bit. Milwaukee surge and everyone knows Boston has to play Philly on that side of the bracket. So it's a tougher path, which is why a lot of people aren't giving him a ton of respect right now. But for Tatum, he just needs to play well. If he plays well, I think he's fine. When we talk about who has pressure on them in the postseason, we can't look at it as a, if your team fails to win the title, you fail. Because if you play huge and the rest of your team can't hold up their end of the bargain, why should you take the heat for that? Like if Tatum disappears like he did for half the games in the series against the Warriors, then yeah, a lot of that's going to fall on him. If Jokic disappears in the playoffs, that's going to fall on him. But if Jokic plays huge and is averaging a triple-double, and Denver loses because the rest of the team didn't step up. I don't think we can put the pressure on that guy then. No, uh, I agree with you there. By the way, Jose was pretty harsh on his Bulls, right? He said he, he so disappointed in his Bulls calling from Chicago. They're, I mean, they got a, they got a game tomorrow I mean, that, night, they right? They played they well in that might, second half. Listen, they still might find themselves. I mean, I hope not. Listen, I hope my Miami Heat have a little something to say about it, but they might find themselves in a matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks, you never know. It ain't over yet for your Bulls, uh, even if it doesn't seem like the draw is going to be great uh, for either of the teams tomorrow night that might find themselves facing the Bucks in the first round. Let's spin the wheel. Triple eight, say ESPN if you want to chime in. Terrence. Terrence calls us from Georgia. Hey, Terrence, thanks for the yep. call again tonight. What do you have? Hey guys, uh, first of all, Joe, you, you're a better man than me because when uh, Amber took Miami, I mean, took Kansas City over Philly in the Super Bowl, I'd have got back and took. Uh, I would have gotten back and said, "My uh, the Bulls take take the uh, take the 
take the heat. I don't uh, let people drag me down into the sewers, Terrence. I don't let people drag me down into the sewers. You, you, everyone else should follow that too. Amber will will talk her talk. You just you just put her on pay no mind. Put her I on pay right, no mind. Though. I was right about that. Super she was right. Have a lot She's of right. pressure on them because uh, I think they can go further, deeper in the playoffs than uh, than pro, than uh, expected. Thanks, Wait, guys. Who, who was? Who did he say was? I think I sidetracked him there. That one's on me. Terrence was was rolling. Oh, the I Knicks. interrupted. He, he says the, the Knicks. Knicks. Yeah, he said the Knicks uh, could go deeper than people realize. Julius Randle injury. How's Julius Randle going to look? He's averaging 25 and 10. If he doesn't play, it's going to hurt against a team like Cleveland. That's the problem is they have to get – I mean, a lot of people aren't even convinced that they can get past Cleveland. Like, this Knicks team has been a good team this season and maybe a surprisingly good team this season. So is this Cavs team. It's going to be potentially the best matchup of the first round. It really is. And – who would have saw that coming? Like, if, if we we're entering this season, if I had been like, Joe, the series that we're all so excited to watch is Cavs-Knicks, you would have yeah. laughed at me. But you also would have laughed at me if I told you Kings-Warriors would be something that we're all that looking forward to. That would have been crazy. That would have been crazy talk. Cavs-Knicks, maybe. Kings-Warriors, crazy talk. Crazy talk. Crazy talk. And then that, that the Kings would be the higher seed. That's crazy talk. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.